No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Nehemiah asks King Artaxerxes for permission to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. It's the start of a great adventure. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Nehemiah chapter 2 on Simply the Bible. There is simply no way to make a difference and right wrongs unless you are willing to roll up your sleeves and get involved. Effective leaders are proactive leaders. That is, they anticipate future problems, needs, as well as opportunities, and prepare for them. That describes Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah had been a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes of Persia when he got news from his brother about the status of Jerusalem. The people were demoralized, the walls were broken down, and the gates were burned with fire, and Nehemiah was cut to his soul. He wept and he prayed and he fasted that God would give him an opportunity and favor with the king that he could do something about this terrible problem in Jerusalem. And so that's what he did for the next four months. We pick it up in Nehemiah chapter 2. It came to pass in the month of Nisan, that is in the March-April time, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad, since you're not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. And I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste? and its gates are burned with fire. So we see here Nehemiah doing what he did. He was the cupbearer, meaning that he would taste the wine and the food, make sure it wasn't poisonous. You know, and he's doing his duty, and and suddenly the king notices, man, you don't look so good. You look sad. What's going on here? And immediately, Nehemiah was dreadfully afraid. You see, the idea here is that you didn't show up in front of the king with a sad face. I guess they wanted people that were, you know, part of the Optimist Club or something, you know, because they didn't want anybody discouraging the king. And so the king said to me, well, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set a time. Now, I believe that Nehemiah, during this four-month period, not only was praying to the Lord that God would give him an opportunity, but he was also planning, okay, if God does give me an opportunity, then what am I going to say? What am I going to request? What am I going to need? How is this all going to work out? And so he was planning. This is what I love about Nehemiah. I think he's a great example of a leader because he was intensely spiritual. He was thoroughly practical. And he was perfectly natural. And I think those are great traits to have. 
And so he was waiting for that divine opportunity. And, you know, some people, they don't wait. They just are like the bull in the china closet. They're going to have their way no matter what. But, you know, I have found it's really wise to pray and then wait on the Lord for God's opportunities when he opens the door. And Nehemiah knew this was it. So when he's asked by the king, well, what do you need? What do you request? Then he, he prayed to the God of heaven. Now, it wasn't like he dismissed himself and went into the closet and prayed. He's just standing on his feet in front of the king and just says, Lord, help me, you know. It just thinking it, probably. Show me what to say here. And uh, my son likes to call that a flare prayer. Nehemiah understood. He said, if it pleases the king, if I found favor in your sight, then this is what I asked for, that you'd send me to Judah. I believe that Nehemiah recognized that, you know what, maybe I am here in front of the king for such a time as this, that this is God's calling. He wants me to do this, and I'm available, so let's go. And uh, now he mentioned the queen also sitting beside him, which is interesting that he would mention that. I almost wonder if it was the queen that was just noticing, man, Nehemiah doesn't look so good. Maybe even telling her husband, something just doesn't seem right with Nehemiah. And maybe even encouraging the king, you know, to let Nehemiah go. I know my own wife will sense things I don't always sense, and and she tends to be more compassionate than me. I kind of wonder if something like that was going on. But it pleased the king to send me and, and I set him a time when I would return. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple for the city wall and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Here again, I think Nehemiah had thought this through. He said, okay, you want to help me? This is how. Give me letters for the governors beyond the Euphrates River that they'll let me pass through. And then I need a letter for the keeper of the king's forest. So I'll have plenty of timber for the beams of the gates and for the city wall and for the house that I'm going to have to build. And the king gave me everything I asked for. Why? Because the good hand of my God was upon me. And I think that's so important to recognize when God begins to open doors, when he gives you favor with other people. And you know, man, there's no way that this could be happening except the grace of God is upon me. And I think that Nehemiah just could see that that's what was going on. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. So he had a military escort. When Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. So this is where we first see Sambalot and Tobiah, they're going to be enemies throughout this entire process of rebuilding the walls. Now, Sambalot was a Horonite who was actually a Moabite, and Tobiah was an Ammonite. The Moabites and the Ammonites were perennial enemies of Israel, but they were also relatives in that they were the descendants of Lot, who was the nephew of Abraham. And so the problem with them is that God said, look, you're not to let them into the assembly of the 
of Israel because they would not receive you when you came into the promised land. They wouldn't let you pass through their land. And so God said, don't let them into the assembly of Israel because of that. And so they are just, have got a burr in their britches, we might say, against anybody that was going to seek the welfare of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days Then I arose in the night, and I and a few men with me, I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and its gates, which were burned with fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate, and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. So, Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem. Now, immediately he would have known that he was drawing a lot of attention. Here he is coming from the king of Persia, and he's coming to Jerusalem. And probably at first, you know, he's obviously got lots of timber and everything. Everybody's thinking, what's going on with this guy? And why is he here? Are we in trouble? What's going on? You know, but Nehemiah just sort of takes a low profile for three days. He doesn't do anything. Then at night, he goes out with a few of his men And he takes a survey of all of the walls of Jerusalem and finds out, you know, what's going to need to be done to build these back up. And he keeps it a secret. It's very important to be able to keep a secret and not release the information until it's the right time. And then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. So now that Nehemiah had all of the information that he had gathered, the good intel, you might say, he called the leaders together and presented the proposal. Now, first, he identifies the problem. Okay, here's the problem. You see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lies waste. Its gates are burned with fire. Now, the thing is, is that they had been seeing this for a long, long time. They, they had been walking over the rubble. And you know how it is when... You know, something has been left undone for a long time. Pretty soon, you don't even see it anymore. And they didn't see it anymore, I don't think. I think they just assumed this is the way it was going to be. So, Nehemiah first identifies the problem. And that's half the battle right there. So, now he said, this is what we need to do. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem so that we won't be a reproach, so that we won't have our enemies just coming in whenever and making fun of us and just be being demoralized the way we are. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. So he communicates the solution. Didn't just point out the problem, but said, here's the solution. And by the way, 
God's hand is upon me. Look how he moved upon the king. He gave me all this stuff. He released me so I could come do this. And so sharing the good news of hope, that gave the people the encouragement that they needed. And they said, let us rise up and build. That's the response of faith, having heard the good news. And then they set their hands to this good work. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? Now, this is so typical. First off, we see that they have a third person now, Geshem, the Arab, and you see that, that people who are the enemies of God somehow seem to find each other. But then they try to use mockery to discourage them. And that's so often the way the enemy works. When we decide we're going to take initiative and do something for the Lord, he tries to discourage us or say, oh, well, that will never work, you know, to try to get us to quit. So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. So, First off, Nehemiah understood that his cause was right. It was of God. God was with him. They were going to do it because God was with them. And these guys, it really was none of their business. They had no part of it. And so he just responds to them, wait and see. You know, watch what we're going to do. You've been listening to Simply the Bible. The Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have questions or comments, please call or text us at 208 319 4860. That's 208-319-4860. Tomorrow we'll see where all the people work together to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, concentrating on the section closest to his house. It's a great example for how we build the kingdom of God. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Nehemiah on Simply the Bible.